0: The piece of information I'm about to share with you all could be called controversial. Some have heard it and reacted with absolute delight. And they're like, oh, my life. And then they ask me a long series of questions about my life choices. The other many more people who react to this piece of information react with a slight look of horror and then ask me an end of a series of questions about my life choices. The piece of information is... I've been to Disney World in Florida 11 times. Now, before you think you can never, never relate to me again, there's a point to this story. I just feel like we, should, we just need to share. We just we need to get it all out of the table before we begin, you know? So, so the reason I'm telling you this story is because um, one particular year, because um, this is recent years, I'm not talking, this is like a childhood thing, I'm talking up until the age of 24, and I'm 25, <laughs> so. so um, one particular year, probably when I was about 21, um, Disney World launched and called, the Disney street dance party. Yeah! (laughs) Woo! Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, what would happen is, essentially, is um, you could meet all your favourite characters, these guys are, like, heavily guarded. You have to have a bag search and queue for two and a half hours just to get near Mickey Mouse. So <laughs> the thing is about the Disney street dance party is that you get to go and dance with your favourite characters. They're all in, like, the, on the floats. The float's like a moving stage, in case you didn't realise. Um, and, and you, like, are sweating and watching all these characters go past in the Magic Kingdom and there's, like, thousands of you on this pavement. But then the float stops. And then the characters, who are normally chained to the float, and I assume that's for health and safety reasons as opposed (laughs) to imprisonment, they get down off, they unhook themselves, and they all get down off the float. And then all the crowds are welcomed onto the streets to dance with their favourite characters. So naturally, um, me and my mum and my sister head for Donald Duck, because why would you not? And um, one particular time, so we're all like doing a twist with Donald, and then out of the corner of my eye, i realise realised that there's this little boy who's heading towards the Donald Duck kind of group, because there's several different groups around the place. This little boy is being led by his mum. I'm just going to keep trying to do the twist and not get out of breath. So, um, and his mum is leading him towards this group. And I'm like, there's something different about him. And then I realise it's because he's blind, so his mum's leading towards this group. And, um, and then I realised that having been, having, yeah, I was doing the twist with Donald Duck, as you can see, I was, I was doing the, the twist with Donald Duck, um, but Donald Duck has, is no longer doing the twist with me, but has also spotted this little boy. And um, Donald Duck goes up to him, and um, looks at the boy's mum. The boy's mum gives him a nod. And then Donald gets the little boy's hands and puts them on his beak. And the little boy, who before was still really enjoying himself, was getting involved. Kind of looks like oh, I don't know, don't know quite what's going on. And then, but starts to feel the beak and feel the felt tongue inside the beak and feel all the feathers on Donald's face and the curly ribbon of his party hat. And this little boy breaks out into the most joy. massive smile and these big fat tears begin to roll down his face as he just gets overwhelmed with the sheer experience and excitement of just being invited into this party to a whole new dimension. So I'm just watching this and really involved. I look back at my mum and my sister going... (laughs) And then we realise we're dancing with like 24 year olds. (laughs) Crying, sobbing, watching this little boy. (laughs) But the point of this story is, today I feel like God is inviting us into a whole new dimension and a whole new level of experiencing what it is to know him and what it is to live by his good news, that is, his gospel. When I've been preparing this, i just sense God going, come on in, get to a new level. We might be able to hear what's going on. We might be able to feel the people around us getting involved. We might be able to hear people chatting and the music playing and the sun on our skin. But there's nothing like God saying, come in and touch a whole new dimension of what I have on offer for you. So I'm going to pray for us. I'd love it um, if you could join me and just echo this in your heart. Father God, thank you that you have more on offer for us of your good news than we could possibly imagine. And Father Father God, I pray that as I speak now, that each and every person here would experience your good news in a whole new way. Would they be filled with joy? Would they be filled with awe? That the good news is much more than they could have ever possibly imagined. In Jesus' name, amen. That wasn't it, don't worry. There's more. So, I believe God wants to open up our experience of his good news. And what we're talking about, funnily enough, in our series is simply good news. We're looking at what is the gospel? Why is it good news? So, gospel is just um, another word for good news. It might be Greek or something, but it's, um, is it not? Christine's nodding. Yeah, it's fine. So, good news is just another word for gospel, so I'm going to use those interchangeably. And, um, basically, we're exploring this whole idea of what is the good news. It's this central belief to our whole faith. It's like the hinge upon which Christianity exists and functions. So it's pretty important. But what exactly is the good news? In the church, the the gospel is referred to all the time because that's like a really central part of it. But one summary of it is this. Jesus, who was the son of God and the promised saviour of everyone and everything, lived on earth and then he bore all the faults of humanity in his death on the cross and then he rose from the dead, which means that everyone who trusts in him, in God, will have um, the fulfilled promise of full and abundant life. So Paul, um, who wrote loads of the New Testament and was a big leader in establishing the first churches ever, puts it like it said on the screen, if you want to have a quick look at that, because there are many, many excellent summaries of what exactly the gospel is. But we're not looking at that today. Picture this, you walk, into an art gallery. If fact, start again. Imagine you're the kind of person that walks into an art gallery. <laughs> and you've heard that the greatest masterpiece ever created, ever painted, is in this art gallery. And so um, you go in, and obviously you want to get to the best bit first. So um, you go down past Picasso and Monet and Van Gogh and all those, and you're walking down the corridor and you get to the place on the little guidebook where it says you should be. But there's nothing there except the little plaque that should go with the painting yeah like, that's really weird check on the map yeah we're in the right place and so you read the plaque and it says this is the greatest painting ever created hmm. and it says a little bit about the artist a little bit about um how the like what's happening in the painting and the techniques that the artists use but the painting isn't there now The plaque isn't wrong in what it says. In fact, you think what the plaque says is pretty good. In fact, it's a really good representation of what the painting might look like if you'd seen it. And you might love the plaque. You might love what the plaque says. But the experience of seeing the painting would be far more than what just the plaque does. The plaque isn't a substitute. It can't give you all the fullness, all the dimensions and perspectives of what's in the painting. And the summaries I've just given you, and even the summary that Paul gives in his letter to the Corinthians, can't really give us the fullness of the masterpiece that is the good news. So when we talk about this masterpiece, this work of art, we can't like, just recreate it. I can't give you the full thing, because I can't recreate the painting. I can't recreate that work of art. And every time we talk about it, ultimately, we're going to end up reducing it into a little bit of a plaque-like summary. And it's never going to quite get the whole picture or every dimension, but that is okay. Don't freak out. I don't think we're supposed to get the whole thing because the whole thing is bigger than the universe itself. It's this event in history upon which the whole of the cosmos shifted and the whole of history turned. We're not supposed to be able to sum it up like that but we can keep glimpsing that work of art and get a whole new dimension to our experience we can grasp that wider perspective that god is inviting us into so it's not that what we've heard or what we know about the gospel on that plaque is wrong what you know already of the gospel probably isn't wrong in the sense that the little boy at the disney street dance party He could hear what was going on. He could feel what was going on. But it was a whole new level when he was fully immersed in it and was invited to experience it in a whole new dimension. And I want us to get that experience. Not replacing what we've already been taught, which for some of you might be the first and most transformational teaching you've ever heard about Jesus. We're not looking to replace that. Remember that but we want to expand it and stretch it so we can live fully immersed in it. So if you wake up every day, really grateful that Jesus died for you and that he forgave you, keep hold of that. No one is asking you to let go. God is not asking you to let go of that. And the ironic thing about the very nature of this talk is that it won't give you something on a plate. It won't give you the answer to, how can we not reduce the gospel? It will reduce the gospel by its very nature. Because the good news is the person of Jesus himself. It's the events of his life and it's the full-blown story of God and his people since day one of the universe. God, um, the good news isn't something we can fully get our heads around. And we never will. Because it's bigger than us and it's bigger than our piece of the world. But let's take another glimpse. Let's not try and add to what we already know. But let's take another glimpse of that work of art, of what the gospel is. So we're going to ask God for a fresh look at that. Now, the reason this is actually important for you, for every single one of you and me, is that if we believe a reduced version of the gospel, if we simply memorise the little plaque instead of looking at the work of art of the gospel then we can slide into believing something about God that isn't actually true. So I'm just going to give you one example in these next few minutes about, um, this, about one particular plaque-like summary that quite a few of us, and probably all of us at some point, may have focused on and memorised at the expense of waking up to the fullness of the good news. So this is the little summary. You might believe that the good news is actually bad news. You might believe that the good news is actually bad news. That's because often when we, the church, try to reduce or simplify the good news, it can come out a little bit like this. God made a good world that humans messed up because they got it wrong. God was really angry at them because of their sin. And because of their sin, they were due a punishment, because fair is fair and God is just. But luckily, Jesus stepped in and <clears throat> took the punishment and took God's wrath upon himself. And he was in our place, he stood in our place, and he died for us so that we can be forgiven and go to heaven instead of being punished and going to hell. Now, I dare you to tell me something that's wrong with that, because there isn't. There's nothing wrong with that summary. It's all completely true but it's not all that there is. And so many of us have fallen into this little plaque-like statement of thinking that's all there can be to it. Whether you're exploring faith for the first time, whether this is the first day that you've ever considered that there might be a God, or whether you've been a Christian all your life and you've heard the gospel every week since you were born. We've all slid into this way of thinking that that's all there is to it. It might be enough. To change your life and your destiny but there is even more and the reason that I'm calling this the kind of bad news um, summary is that it kind of makes out that God is out <clears throat> to get us but in the nick of time Jesus takes the bullet and that's not really very good news if you think about it But again, it's not wrong. But if it's all we know of the gospel, if that's all we share with people, if that's all we live by, then we can end up doing several things. We can end up spending our time just trying to avoid doing stuff wrong in case God is out to get us, rather than focusing on being in relationship with God. Or if it's all we live by, we might end up thinking that the gospel is only about me and the things I've done wrong. We miss the global and cosmic scale of the good news. Or we might have this sense of guilt that I owe Jesus one because he died for me and I didn't really ask him to. And I sense right now that I'm treading this very, very fine line because I do not want any one of you to go home and think that any of the above isn't true because Um, The gospel is about changing our lives and empowering us to do good instead of evil. It is about you and Jesus and your personal rescue from sin and from death by him. And Jesus does call us to lay down our lives for him in response to him laying down his life for us. It's all true, but there's more. We don't want to live by one of those things alone or believe that, all that all, that's all there is to the gospel because then we're missing out on that fuller experience, on the, all the different dimensions of the good news. We might be able to hear or feel the good news happening around us, but there's nothing like touching it with your own hands. And touching it doesn't make our knowledge complete. I'm not saying that we're going to leave here with a perfect full. version of the gospel in our heads. But the gospel is supposed to keep unfolding and keep unfolding. I was thinking about this this week. It was like, I was like, it's a bit like you get this napkin and you think it's a napkin and it unfolds and it's a tablecloth and actually it's a parachute. (laughs) Maybe that doesn't really help. But it's meant to just keep unfolding. (laughs) unfold, it's meant to be exciting and radical and life-transforming on a daily basis. And that isn't just about being emotional. (laughs) It's about being transformed. And to reduce the gospel to just those few lines and live by them alone is to miss out on that. So what is the bad news version actually missing out on in terms of the story? Well, to start with, it removes this long history of God and his commitment to the people of Israel. Um, who were the Jewish people over thousands of years, essentially. Um, God made unbreakable promises to them to protect them, to be their God. He was committed to them, and he was to, ultimately his promise was to work through them to rescue and redeem and resurrect the whole of creation and all of humanity. So the Old Testament follows the story of God and his people, uh, these individuals who made mistakes and suffered and were human like us, And God was with them through battle and through famine and through difficulty. And he was with them through victory and through strength and through hope. The good news is not of this angry God looking to punish his left, right and centre. But luckily Jesus is around. It's a faithful God who isn't just fixing a problem with humanity. But he's reinstating a purpose that he is calling us to all the way through the Old Testament. He's calling his people back to their purpose. The gospel is that God is not just fixing a problem, but reinstating a purpose. But on the other hand, humans are sinful. We miss the mark all the time. We get stuff wrong, and we are inclined to selfishness rather than godliness. But God didn't just make us to be good. He had more in mind than that. He made us to be in harmony with one another and with creation, to bring about flourishing in ourselves and in each other and in the whole of the world. He created us to work and love and rest in a crafted world that he made for us, to be at peace within ourselves and to be fully aware of how handmade and loved we are by God whilst also cracking on with the purpose and the work that he's given us to do. God didn't just look at humanity and see a problem. And that's what the bad news version gives us. He saw humanity failing to fulfil their purpose within the wider creation and within themselves. So the bad news reduced version also misses out the rest of creation because it pretty much only focuses on, on, on you and um, Jesus forgiving you again. That's not wrong. And actually, if you were to walk away from this talk and be like, "Oh my life, I just realised for the first time today that Jesus has forgiven me and he's died for me, then that is amazing. And that is the gospel. But we don't want to miss out the epic proportions of the gospel, that the whole of creation is like pregnant and giving birth to the good news because God is going to resurrect and renew the whole of the created universe. And he began this when Jesus died and came back from the dead. Jesus is the first of that new creation. It can't just be about us because that would make God the same size as us. And it also gives the impression that Jesus' death and resurrection is a bit of an insurance plan. Like you sign on the dotted line and you believe in him and you're safe. And again, believe in Jesus, believe in what he's done and you are saved. But that isn't even it. That isn't all that happened when Jesus overcame death. Think about just the cosmic ramifications of the fact that God died. Jesus was ushering in the kingdom of God and the renewal of all things. So it's fully about you. Jesus would have died for you if you'd been the only person on earth. But at the same time, that personal salvation... That can be at work in you draws you out into the bigger picture irresistibly. The bigger picture of God's kingdom over every other person and the whole of creation. It's all about you, but at the same time, it's not. The good news is not bad news. It's not God so hated the world that he gave his only son, it's God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And have any of us fallen into this? Have we fallen into just following the the bad news version of the good news? I I certainly have. You might think because you call it the good news that you've managed to avoid it, but the symptoms might be there anyway. So I'm going to show you through my own kind of journey where I've spotted the symptoms in me where actually I kind of believe bad news rather than good news. See, last week, when things didn't go my way, when um, uh, I, was, I had this prayer and longing for God to do something in particular in my life, it didn't seem to get answered right when I wanted it to get answered. Classic. And this is, um, and, and then I'm like, really angry when I kick off, and then I feel really guilty about it and really ashamed, and then I start to get a little bit cross at God because I'm like hold on who's given me this sense of shame and this is the kind of situation that a bad news Christian might find themselves in because you cross the line and you get it wrong you feel bad about it but you think the shame came from God God doesn't give shame there's a difference between conviction of doing something wrong where you're like I did something I need to change I want to change that and I'm led towards Jesus whereas shame goes I'm ashamed of myself I'm ashamed of what I've done, and that tends to lead to despair. There's a difference. I can barely even describe it, but there's a difference when we live under the good news that we come back to Jesus. We live when we live under the bad news of shame, which makes us feel like the last person I want to talk to is Jesus. That might be one way that you might have spotted higher living under the bad news. You might also spot the symptoms when you get bored in your faith. I spent probably most of my teenage years really, really bored with my faith. Not quite bored enough to let it go, but just bored enough to go, well, I just don't know. But the most life-transforming thing for me was when I was at university and I couldn't shake this question of, there must be more, what is everyone else talking about? Because I'm like, yeah, Jesus dad me, da-da-da-da-da, that's it, I was like, because if God has just fixed a problem in the past and therefore I can just crack on and live my life, faith is really boring. If that's it, are you bored in your faith? Have you got this nagging sense that there must be more? People keep banging on about the gospel and the good news and we're doing this series at church and it's just like, yeah, that's it, surely that's all there is to it. Are you, are you a bit bored in your faith? Have you memorised that plaque little summary underneath the painting so well that you've forgotten what the painting actually looks like? Or all the different perspectives and dimensions that are within that. Or the way that God is drawing you in to take a closer look. And take a closer look. And take a closer look. And these things are so easy to fall into. And they're really hard to challenge. Because the bad news, Christian, has the true form of Christianity. It's not that they're not saved. It's not that they're doing anything wrong. Their faith is steeped in the truth of the good news. It has the form but not the full reality. It's like memorizing the plaque rather than experiencing the painting. And God has more for us. And the good news is more than that. And that's why God invites us to grow and spend our whole lives rolling out the same good news for our entire lives because there's more to it than any of us could possibly ever comprehend. I know that I've become a bad news Christian when I get cynical. I know that I've become a bit of a bad news Christian when I hop from church to church because you know, nothing can quite cover it. Or when I get really critical, or when I get flippant about who I am and what God created me to do because God isn't that relevant to the present moment. You might be falling under the bad news if you're exploring faith and you're like, well, I'm not that bothered about just signing up because surely it's just something that you just kind of sign and then you get to live forever and that's it. There's so much more than that. It's good news. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to respond. We've spent quite a bit of time looking at how we can end up living by the good news as if it's bad news. When we reduce it down without allowing God to widen our perspective, we've seen how we can just slide into just living by that little plaque like summary rather than being immersed in the experience of the work of art that is the good news. What can we do about this? We're going to do two things. Maybe three. No, we'll do two. We'll do two. So. Um, the first thing I'm going to ask you guys to do is um, read about it. The gospel, if you think about if you've heard about the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of John, it took four people to even just get a bit of what Jesus's life looked like. The good news is what Jesus did. It's the events of his life. It's the story of God and his people. It took four people to write even just a little bit of what that was down. I want this week for us to commit, even just a few minutes, just to go, I'm going to read something in the gospel. I'm not just going to to read a little bit and go, oh, I don't really get it. I'm going to sit and I'm going to read one of those gospels, even just a few, few paragraphs of it. And I'm going to look for the good news. I'm going to look out for how is this good news? I'm going to look out for how is God opening up my perspective? How is he opening up new dimensions? How does he want to surprise me? I don't know how you're going to remember to do that. Maybe you just need to make a mental note. Maybe you need to drop it down on the back of your hand or in your poem. Spend a few minutes. Read some of the Gospels. God's good news is filled, is f- fills up the Bible and beyond. He has given us his good news in a book. Maybe we should read it. That's the first thing. Read the good news just a little bit ask God to surprise you but what we're going to do right now is we're going to continue to ask for this fuller experience of the good news what new dimensions does God want to reveal to us how does he want to expand our perspective he's inviting us to do so and so what we're going to do is we're going to, um, we're going to spend some time in prayer and we're going to just focus on God as we worship Worship is a great way of stepping into God's presence, of acknowledging who he really is, of aligning our priorities and allowing him to tell us the good news. Allowing him to go, this is what I wanna show you. So we're gonna spend some time singing together and worshiping God. Would you stand? Father God, I thank you that there is more to your gospel than we could ever imagine. I thank you that it is bigger than us, and I thank you that you are desperate to reveal more of it to us. I thank you that your good news can just roll out for the rest of our lives. We don't need to get bored of it. God, I pray for the people who are bored in their faith. I pray for people, the people here who feel like there must be more, and they've got this frustration of, they either want faith for the first time, I don't want to step further into their faith, but it just seems like surely this can't be it God I pray that you would give them that wider perspective would they see that your holy bible and your good news unfolds and it unfolds and it unfolds and it unfolds and you keep welcoming us into a new perspective You keep showing us new things about it. God, for those of us who have been living as if the good news is bad news, God, would you again show us your love for us? Would you show us that you don't give us shame, but you give us hope, you challenge us, and you move us forward? God, I pray that you would just give us a wider perspective. Would you open up new dimensions of your good news to us? And would we see that we can live by this for the rest of our lives? And just this good news can transform us from the inside out. And as we worship you, God, would you continue to speak to us? Would you continue to open up our perspective? Would you continue to work in us? And would we be open to it? to continue speaking to us now.